Good morning, church. It's great to be with you on this special Sunday morning. Uh, it's special because this is the first Sunday of Advent. And if you're not familiar with the church calendar, Advent uh, is the season that leads up to Christmas. It encompasses the four Sundays prior to Christmas and includes the weeks leading up. Um, and so this is the first Sunday. The next three Sundays are also Advent Sundays. And so starting today and for the next three weeks, we'll be diving into the story of Advent, uh, the story of anticipating the arrival of the promised Messiah. And one of the amazing things about the church calendar is that through it, we have the opportunity each and every year to place ourselves place ourselves into these really formative stories of the Christian faith. Uh, the birth of Jesus is very obviously one of them. And so Advent is a season of waiting and a season of anticipation. We await with the people of God the arrival of God's promise, the arrival of his redemption. And as we immerse ourselves in this story of God's long-awaited promise, we celebrate it as being fulfilled on Christmas Day. And then the 12 days of Christmas, it's not just a song, it's actually part of the church calendar. Christmas is a 12-day-long celebration. And so, uh, but in Advent, leading up to those those days, um, we're, we're doing more than just looking back and remembering the, the, the waiting and anticipation of God's arrival in the past. We're also looking forward as we await uh, the second advent, the, the second arrival of Jesus as he is going to come again uh, a second time with the fullness of his kingdom and the fullness of his new creation. And so we're stuck in both of those mindsets. We're in between the two, the first advent and the advent that's yet to come. And so uh, this year we're going to have a few different ways for you to engage uh, with God and one another in community. Um, it looks a lot different than most, but we're going to have these Sunday morning sermons on YouTube, as you clearly have, have found already. Uh, we're also going to have Sunday morning uh, gatherings at 9 a.m. at the Q Ballroom in Cambridge. Those will be in person. And then we're going to have Sunday afternoon Zoom gatherings uh, that kind of follow the same pattern as what we're going to be doing in person. Uh, we're going to have those on Sunday afternoons at 4 p.m. And so there's a few different ways, yeah, depending on what you're comfortable with, depending on what you're able to do, um, that you can, can connect with God and connect with others around scripture, around some really cool art, and around prayer. And so I'd invite you uh, to make time to, to be a part of those starting this week, starting this Sunday, and for the next three Sundays. Okay, so this year, you might be feeling at this point like, meh, Advent, Christmas, doesn't really feel right. Doesn't really matter. You know, it's 2020, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's not really a holly jolly season right now. Like what does Christmas, what does Advent really have to do with what, when we're in the middle of this place of isolation and pain and loss? And if that's where you are right now, like I totally hear that. I can totally relate to that. And I, what I would say is I would invite you to enter this journey with us, to be a part of these, these next four weeks as we dive into this story. Because, because Christmas, it tends to come with a lot of hype, right? It comes with a lot of hype, a lot of, of, of pump. And so at the end, it can often leave us feeling empty. 
if it's not rooted and grounded in something that's real and something that's meaningful. And so what we are going to do as we journey together these next weeks is, is take an honest look at the incarnation, the entrance of God into his creation. And our hope is that through our time together that you would be able to see with greater clarity the true hope that can be found in Jesus. Not just all those years ago, but even today, that he still gives hope today. That the reality of God with us, the reality of God entering into his creation as a person, that you would see why it matters so much to our present lives. And it's our hope that in these moments together as a community, that God would give us fresh hope in this present moment. And so would you pray with us to see what, what God has in store this Advent season and would you join us? And so we're going to begin our Advent journey together by looking at John 1, verses 1 through 14. Uh, I'm going to read the text. The words should be on your screen. So John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Man, John 1 is just loaded with meaning. I mean, we could probably spend a couple hours on this text. I promise we won't. It'll only be a few minutes, but there's so much, so many themes, so many amazing uh, conclusions that we could draw from this text. And we can barely, I feel like we can barely do it justice in the short amount of time that we have. But uh, what I found to stand out, especially as we approach this text from the perspective of Advent and from the perspective of Christmas, um, of God entering into the world as a person, is that this text illuminates who God is and what he thinks about us. It illuminates who God is and who we are to him. Now, each of us know that there's, there's so many things, right? There's so many events or circumstances or experiences that shape and warp our view of who God is. Our understanding, our perspective of who he is, it, what he must be like, it's constantly being shaped and molded and challenged, uh, both in good and bad ways, right? It's constantly being formed. And sometimes our false assumptions and conclusions, they can be confronted and challenged and reformed for the better. Uh, but sometimes we're drawn towards 
these faulty and, and distorted conclusions uh, about God that draw us away from him. Like take the pandemic, for example. The pandemic, it, it could erode your confidence in God's goodness. Uh, it could cause you to believe, maybe God's just kind of like not involved anymore, right? He's just left us to spin on this globe. He's not involved. But it could also strengthen your need for him. When you see, man, I'm not as in control as I thought I was. These same circumstances can lead to a variety of conclusions about God for different people, depending on what your angle is, where you're coming from, what you're going through. Um, We all can come to different conclusions about who God is and what he's like based on our environment, on our circumstances. And so we need something that anchors us beyond our experiences, beyond our interpretations of our experiences that we can rely on to know who God really is. And so that's where we enter John 1 and the word who became flesh. But before we get deeper into that, uh, it's worth noting as well that there's so many things outside of God that we source our identity from, our own identity, our own view of ourselves that can be shaped and formed heavily by the things that are around us, by our circumstances, by what people have said, by what people haven't said. But neither who we are nor who God is, is determined by our circumstances and our interpretations of them. Neither who God is nor who we are is determined by that. And in our text this morning and in the the story of Advent, we're drawn back into what is truest about God and about ourselves. And that's one of the great, great beauties of the incarnation is that it illuminates these things so, so clearly that God reveals himself so clearly in the incarnation. And so it must be what God has told us about himself that we base our conclusions on about him. And it must be what God says about us that we base our conclusions about ourselves on. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And so first, what is revealed about God here in our text? Well, there's so many things, but a few key things. We first see that he is the creator. He's the creator of all things. He's the one who made everything. It belongs to him. Uh, He's the giver of life. He's the one who breathes life into his creation, who animates us, who gives us breath. And then we see that the text says that, that he's the true light, that God is light. And what does this mean? Well, light, it brings clarity out of obscurity, right? When you shine a light on something, uh, it reveals more clearly what it is, right? You call a witness to shine some light on a situation that's unclear. It helps, light helps you to see things as they really are. And so Jesus he is the light because he shines a light. He illuminates who God really is. Jesus shines light on who God really is. He's the ultimate revelation of God to us in the way that we most clearly are able to comprehend. We know what it's like to be human. And so Jesus, and so God becoming human is the best way that we can understand God. And so Hebrews 1, uh, it puts it like this. The words are on the screen. It says, talking about Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. 
And further down in John 1, in verse 18, John says, No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, the one who is at the Father's side. He has revealed Him. And so this, this truth is what we celebrate each and every year in Advent. It's that God has made himself known to us in the person of Jesus. With greater clarity than ever before, we're able to know and understand God by looking at Jesus. He is what we know most clearly about God. And so one quick and easy conclusion we can draw here is that, that God desires to be known by us. God desires for us to know him. Otherwise, he would not have gone through all of this trouble in order to reveal himself to us. We also see in our text that that God is intimately acquainted with what it's like to be a person in this world. Verse 14, it says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In other words, the eternally existent God took on human nature. He became a man. He became flesh and blood and pitched his tent in our world. That word dwell uh, could literally mean to pitch a tent, or it refers back to the idea of the tent of meeting in the Old Testament where God used to meet with Moses. I, I love the way Eugene Peterson translates this verse. He says that the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. This is what the incarnation is. It's God moving into the neighborhood, God becoming like us in every way. And, you know, it might be easy to, to assume, to think that when God, if God were to become a man, that he would, be, he would become a man that would have it pretty easily, have it pretty easy, right? He would have a pretty chill life. Uh, he would have it made. Like he, he would come in, be the big boss, put his boots up on the, on the desk, kick back, watch the show, right? He would be the emperor. He would be more like Caesar. Uh, and the fact that he would rule and reign over everything. But no, that's not, that's not what we see has happened. Uh, the man that God became, he knows what it's like to be rejected by his own tribe, to be rejected by his people, by those that he created, by those whom he loves. In verse 11, John says that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. When God became human, he didn't come in such a way uh, that he was insulated from pain and suffering and sorrow. He wasn't insulated from isolation and abandonment and rejection. He experienced it, it all firsthand. He's well acquainted with rejection and sorrow. And the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years earlier, he actually said that this is how it's going to be. He said that the Messiah would be a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. That he would be uh, someone with no form or majesty that we should look at him. That he would be despised and rejected by men. When God came into the world, he didn't come as the big shot. But he came as, an hum- as a humble outcast, despised by his own people, under the boot of an oppressive empire. And guess what? This wasn't a surprise, but he knew that this is how it was going to be. And he chose to come in this way, and he chose to come anyway, so that we might know him. He knew this full well, and still, he came. He came to give life as a gift to all who would receive it. And this act of incarnation, it shows to what extreme lengths God is willing to go on behalf of his creation. 
how far he's willing to go for us. That he will become human in the fullest extent, it affirms our own humanity. It affirms our own dignity and value. God knows what it's like for us, not as an observer, but as a participant. Not as one who can say, oh, this is what it's like, because I've watched it happen. But you can say, this is what it's like, because I've experienced it. God has participated in our humanity in every way. And this is part of what the Christmas story tells us, that it tells us that we have a God who is willing to become like us in order to make us a part of his family. In the incarnation, we see with this great clarity, God who is with us, God who has become like us, who entered into our world, who became flesh and blood as we are, and who pitched his tent in the midst of our broken and sinful world. Uh, He experienced in every way the effects of sin, the effects of brokenness, and the rejection by the very things that he created, and the very things that he came to redeem and to adopt. We see Jesus, the true light, who reveals the glory of God, full of grace and full of truth. He has withheld nothing from us. God has not withheld one thing from us. So then what does this say about who we are? If God is willing to go through these great lengths, what does this say about us? Well, first it affirms our value. It affirms our value as human beings who are made in his image, whom he came with the purpose of adopting and delivering. So that we're worth it. They have intrinsic value, intrinsic dignity, that we matter so much to God that he's willing to go through all this. For every single one of us, not just for some, but for every last one of us. He makes it clear that every one of us is worth it. Verse 12, he says to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He doesn't withhold himself from anyone, anyone who's willing to receive him, anyone who is willing to receive his gift. He makes them his very own children. And so even in the midst of our guilt and our shame and our fear, God says that we can become his kids, that we can be a part of his family. So often we live as if what's truest about us is that, is that we're guilty, that we're shameful, that we're powerless. But God has a different narrative. God says emphatically in the incarnation that we're worth way more than that. We don't have to be defined by those things, that we can all be a part of the family. And in that Isaiah passage that I quoted earlier, uh, Isaiah goes on to say, he says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took on all of our guilt, all of our shame, all of our fears, all of our sin, and he did away with it forever. And by the power of his resurrection, he says that we are righteous and honored and empowered. We are his children if we just receive his gift. Verse 12, he says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we receive this free gift of adoption that God came to offer, we become one of his own. So what does it mean to live 
in light of the incarnation, to live as if it's true. If this is what we know to be true of God and true of ourselves, then how does it shape the way that we live right now? I think if we're honest, this can be the hard part a lot of the time, right? It's hard to take what we know to be true intellectually or believe to be true and convert it into a heart-level truth and engage in it and let it affect our actions in the world. And what I think it means here is that we have to check. We have to check our assumptions. We have to check the things that we assume to be true, both of God, of ourselves, of others. Where do we operate out of false assumptions in our life? Where do we operate out of false assumptions about God, about ourselves, about others? Let's dig into that. Scott Erickson, um, whose artwork we're using in the cue ballroom and and on the Zoom calls that we're doing, um, he says this. He says, our assumptions hinder our spiritual journey in all kinds of ways. And the antidote to assumption is surprise. It's a surprise that life can come through barren places. It's a surprise that meek nobodies partake in divine plans. It's a surprise that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And he goes on to say, may you thank God with joyful surprise at how much you have assumed incorrectly. I think that's crazy. May you thank God with joy at how much you've assumed incorrectly. We live full of these incorrect assumptions, these false beliefs about God, about ourselves, about others. And so let's press into that. What have we assumed incorrectly? And as we engage in Advent this year, I would encourage you to press into this. Advent, Christmas, the incarnation, even if it feels overly familiar or if it feels totally new, is full of surprises. Surprises about God, surprises about ourselves, surprises about what life means. So be open to the ways that God might surprise you in this Advent even in 2020. And so the story that we live, that we relive and celebrate year after year, it's often surprising that God became a man, that he lived in our creation, in his creation, lived in our world as one of us so that he might make us a part of his family by faith. And that might not seem new. It might not be the freshest, most interesting way you've ever heard it put, but there's wonder to be found in pondering it afresh year after year. There's hope to be discovered in entering into the story once again, being reminded with certainty that God does love us, that God has gone through impossible things, impossible links to show us that, that we are his kids with whom he is well-pleased. And so I invite you to take this journey with us, to press into what God has for you in this season. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are grateful for Jesus. We're grateful that you didn't abandon us, that you became one of us, that you took on our flesh and blood, that you came and gave your life as a gift that to all who would receive it, that we might become children of God. And Lord, I pray for each of us in this Advent season, whether we're looking forward to it or totally ambivalent about it, Lord, would you meet us? Would you be near? Would you speak 
to each of us? Would you give us hope? Would you give us encouragement? Will we see you with new clarity and see ourselves with new clarity? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.